Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition for the last 30 years. It's Rosie on the House. And a beautiful Arizona good morning to you all. Welcome. It's the Arizona Hour of Rosie on the House, and I'll tell you why. It's a beautiful Arizona day. Because if you were waking up this month in 1936, you'd be down to a half a mile visibility in southern Arizona due to dust coming over from Oklahoma's Dust Bowl. We don't have, we've had a haboob here and there, but we haven't had anything like the Dust Bowl. Tell you what, Midwest couldn't do that today. John Steinbeck wrote a book about a family traveling through that called The Grapes of Wrath. You see the pictures from. Des Moines, Iowa flooded out. Whoa. Whole Midwest is under emergency flood control. Nebraska, the Dakotas. More like the Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa. That's what it looks like right now. That, that The flooding has been incredible not only there but in Nebraska as well. They're not sending no dust bowl this way today. Mm-hmm. We got rain again this week. Uh, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday night maybe. I don't, I don't know. Woke up, rained again. Goodness. It was like you're living in the Gulf Coast, rain every two or three days, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, the rocks are growing tall, aren't they? <laughs> our our reservoirs are filling up. Uh, uh, Tuesday at the Arizona Department of Water of Resources, the seven-state uh, committee signed into paperwork their drought contingency plan that now goes to Congress for uh, to, to, I guess, to implement. Yeah. Here's our plan. Now you guys make it a law. Um, and this was all despite of the Imperial Irrigation District's whining and complaining. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't they ever they can never be happy about anything. They they had the poppy apocalypse in California, and they were complaining. It, they were complaining because of the traffic. Uh, I was watching ABC World News tonight, and they were pleading people to. If there's if there's no place to park, come back another time. <laughs> I I mean it was insane, but it is pretty. I have to admit, it, uh, nothing beats our Arizona wildflowers, but that poppy uh, explosion in California is incredible. That, that's a pretty orange. You can't deny that. But the town north of Temecula, I was looking for the name of it again, complaining and pleading with people to stay away. We're not a Disney-sized town. <laughs> they had over 150,000 people through their town now, uh, and, and they, they even had a keyword for poppy shutdown. <laughs> Can never so. be happy about anything. I mean, what, what would 150,000 people do through any town in Arizona that's of 90,000? I, know, I would never know of a tourist department to go, <laughs> hey, too many people here. Y'all go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't please them all. Uh, the Arizona Renaissance Festival has given us uh, family four-packs to give away. Two adults, two children, plus parking. Uh, we are doing this. This is separate from our regular giveaways, so we're going to do this during the week on Facebook. You can go to the Rosie on the House fan page, and we'll give those away. We've got one final weekend of the Renaissance Festival coming up. And, and I might say, uh, like Rosie on the House, and that way you can see our posts. With directions on how mm-hmm. to win, and yeah. we'll give those out through the week. So if you're looking to go to the Renaissance Festival next weekend, we'll go on Rosie on the House. Here's the coolest thing about the festival. What is our topic this month? Universal design. Ah, Sus- oh, oh, okay. our, our on-the-house right. topic. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sustainability. All the rides at the Renaissance Festival are people-powered. Sustainability. <laughs> <laughs> how about that? I mean, 
the Renaissance folks knew about sustainability before it was even cool to have it. All the rides are people-powered. Right. Somebody will push you on a swing or, or they'll have somebody cranking a, a carousel, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's one of the many things. And, of course, you know, you can't walk the grounds without saying, huzzah! <laughs> I think that's probably the first time I've heard it. <laughs> oh, really? Jen and I had a bet that you had not heard it before. So Did you, know, you win yeah, or lose? I won the bet. You won? Yeah, I won the bet. She buys lunch. <laughs> nice. That's one of the things that uh, involves equine. And another thing that involves equine this week and today, actually, uh, is Fan Appreciation Day at Turf Paradise. It's Arizona's first sporting franchise. Started in 1956. The first 4,000 people through the gate will get a free Turf Paradise clock. Um, if you have a bulldog, there is a bulldog costume contest. There's uh, live music. There's a kids' fun parks with bounce houses, pony rides, and face painting. There's a barbecue tent. Beautiful weather for it. Yeah. Beautiful it's, weather. It's going to be work. just perfect. You may have heard me talking about these horse programs we're going to put together. I haven't got to them yet because there's as we start putting the content together for this, there's so much content and so much research that I really want to want to get it right so it's just – keeps getting a little farther out there, a little farther out there, because every time I think, oh, we finally got it down, all this additional information we got to pack in, but I've got it broken okay. down into six different hours. Okay. And it's not like they're going to be in a row. Maybe we'll do one every other month, spread it out over a course of the year. A six-part series. Yeah. Yeah. But one, the history of the horse. There's a, a book that we're reading for this called Farewell to the Horse that just talks about the significance the horse has played in human uh, in human history throughout the years, and it's only been within the last 100, 150 years. I mean, even even as recent as World War One, there was over 16 million horses in service during World War One. Wow. Half of them were died as a, as a part of the war and, right. and battle. But, but 16 it's still, million horses. It's insane, and and it's still around today because all car engines are based on horsepower. Exactly. <laughs> So we're gonna we're gonna break it up into a couple different uh, couple di- couple different topics. <clears throat> we're gonna break it up into a six series topics: the the history of the horse first, and then uh, horse use and service, military, uh, mounted police patrols, search and rescue. We're gonna break it down into sports. How many horse equestrian sports can you name off the top of your head, real quick? Well, there's barrel riding. Okay, so that's rodeo. Uh, okay. We'll just consider oh, oh. that one. Okay. Um, roping. That's uh, rodeo. Okay, that's rope. <laughs> Polo, uh, horse yeah. races, dressage. There's horse shows. They're in parades. They're, they're, this one's really cool. The Mounted Archery Association. You watch the videos of these riders, and they are f- full, full load, gallop. Shooting <laughs> recurve bows, you know, old old world style bows with no reins because they need both hands for the for the boat you think well maybe they've got the reins in their teeth or it's on their hand no these horses have no reins and they're running these trails and the people are shooting at these targets running by there's wow that's a sport they're shooting sports (laughs) they do off of horses yeah so we're going to do one just all the sporting events that involve equestrian uh working horses you know you've got horse drawn uh, carriages and coaches. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've, I got to find if there's any in Arizona. 
there's plenty in the French Quarter. Yeah, and there's also in Old Town Scottsdale, too. Oh, they, do they have yeah, some horse-drawn they, they down still there? Have, they still have a few of them. Uh, I think on special occasions, though. So We'll have one on the weaknesses of a horse. Uh, they're massive animals, <laughs> very hardy. But you find those little tiny weak points, and, man, they can you can drop a horse really easy. Wow. It's amazing. Okay. Uh, and then owning a horse, what it takes to own a horse in Arizona, uh, the size of space you need, uh, what type of horse you should buy, where you can get them, all the different facilities around Arizona that uh, you can uh, that you can buy from and that board and breed. And so it's it's still a big part of human life, mm-hmm. uh, of, of the human lifestyle, the, the horses. It's just, it's changed quite drastically. When it comes to feeding horses, because uh, uh, I've helped you put bales of hay in your truck to feed yours, <laughs> uh, I got to work out, folks. And uh, But uh, can you feed a horse something else that's appropriate, that's good for them besides hay? You know, occasional apple oh. is okay for them. On our orchard at the house, that's how we thin our apple trees. We'll go through with a bucket, and we'll pick uh, an apple off of every limb because when an apple tree will bloom, you'll have five to six apples at the end of the limb. So each day we'll go through and pick another one off. We'll drop 20 into each each horse pen, and they eat all our small apples, and that's how we thin our our apple orchard. I see all those horses lined up at the fence, just got that look of licking their lips ready for apples. Oh, they paw the ground. They kick their stalls. They do all kinds of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Susan brought back some books, if you guys are as avid readers as we are, from the Tucson Book Festival. This one looked neat. Uh, Dakota Epic, Experiences of a Reenactor During the Filming of Dances with Wolves. That's, that movie is one of our personal That's a great household film. favorites. Yeah. Tutanka Owachi. I got to spend some time with this one. Hoist a Cold One, Historic Bars of the Southwest. I may have to borrow that from we- <laughs> you for, oh, I don't know, a year. <laughs> Topic research, road yeah, trip. <laughs> yeah, want to make sure those drinks. But are just you're driving. I, oh. I'm doing the research. You're doing the drive. Oh, great. <laughs> it's just like me when I go taste wine in California. <laughs> hey, Gary, you're driving. Oh, all right, okay. Another good one I ordered from True West. They put out the 2019 Ultimate Historic Travel Guide, and they've got Arizona listed in the desert southwest. Different places you can go: Fort Apache Historic Park, Fort Whipple, Canyon de Chelly different historic hotels throughout the state of Arizona. Uh, the La Posada in Winslow you've heard oh, us yeah. talking about. I love that place. Rancho de la Osa and Sasabi, the Tank of Verde Ranch in Tucson. Gazden Hotel, our staycation winner, is going to Douglas in next April. month. So I think, I think I'm going to have to get a hold of old Bobby and see if he can't donate 12 of these a year. That's a good every idea. Time we, and, and have one sitting on our staycation winner's. Because we always have new listeners every Saturday listening to the show for the first time. And, you know, we love Arizona so much that this would be a great starter book to get them out. That would be a great one. And, you know, this hoist a cold one, I just, <laughs> it just occurred to me. You can do this in tandem with April's Arizona Highways edition where they've got the sandwich trail. Ten featured sandwich shops in Arizona. One uh, that made the cover local press in Wickenburg, or our staycation winner was this month. Uh, but look at this muffalata one from Proper Meats and Provisions in Flagstaff. A muffalata in Arizona? Are you kidding? You, you, I'm surprised we're, we haven't uh, gained five <laughs> or six pounds yet. You hear us talking about Satchmo's Barbecue in Flagstaff. This muffalata looks like it's going to give them a run for their money. Okay. So you got a couple great places in, uh, in Arizona. They, it goes from Bisbee all the way up to Flagstaff. Ten different 
uh, fantastic sandwich shops that made the list. That's April's Arizona Highways on newsstands now if you don't have a subscription. Segment number two of our Arizona Hour. That's where we give our weekly giveaway. We have two Arizona State Parks passes. Good to any one of the 35 Arizona State Parks, including Catalina State Park. And the interesting thing about that, Catalina State Park will be the May staycation destination. And they have over 5,000 saguaros. With the amount of rain we've had, I I think that's going to be a perfect opportunity for some incredible photography of beautiful Catalina Mountains with saguaros in absolute full bloom. So true or false, the Spanish name the Mescalero Apaches after the Mezcal sand they used to make their clay pots. If you think it's true, text T to 411-923 or F to 411-923, true or false. And uh, between now and the end of this programming segment, we'll pick a random right winner. But this segment, we're going to talk about what's above us. We had the supermoon this week, the spring equinox this week. Uh, we got Dr. Sky on the line to tell us about everything going on overhead. And good morning, Romy. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Always enjoy it. How often do we get a supermoon and the spring equinox at the same time? You know, that's unusual, Romy. The answer is back in 1981, we had a spring equinox and the moon at that time, a supermoon, And I should define this uh, a little better. A supermoon is, of course, when the moon comes closest to the Earth at full. And in astronomy, we call that location and position called perigee. Many listeners may know that. But not since 1981 have we had the coincidence of that supermoon come as close to a vernal equinox, the beginning of spring. Its separation was only about four hours. So it's this magical time, the rebirth, as we like to say. But here in Arizona, as you know and the listeners know, we're not as frostbitten as many probably other parts of the country. And in those supermoon-type things, I mean, your visibility for the rest of the uh, stars out there, it's pretty low. That's a bright moon. It is. It's amazing how you look at it this way, when the moon is actually closer to us. By the way, this past March moon that we people got to see, and hopefully they did to some of the clouds on the actual vernal equinox night, about 223,000 miles from the Earth, which is close. So this, in simple terms, Romy, is that this is the last of the supermoons of 2019, we have these supermoons. Every year you'll get maybe a few of these. But in the last year or so, we've had so many back-to-back, just a beautiful sight. And I get so many emails here at Dr. Sky, of course, to talk about, hey, you know, look at that moon, especially when it's rising. And, of course, that's the time for all you fans out there with cameras and binoculars and small telescopes. Of course, you want to get that backlit situation where you see the cacti, the mountain. I mean, it's just spectacular seeing that gigantic orb in the sky, which is only about, again, 223,000 miles away. And if we were to take a journey there by spacecraft about three days away, and if we were to drive at normal highway speeds, whatever that is, probably take us about 135 days. So with the supermoon and the equinox together in the same week, how, how is astronomy going to top that coming up? Well, what do we have well, to look forward to next? Well, it's kind of hard to top that, but I think everybody needs to know that the best time, in Dr. Sky's opinion and other people who study the sky, is when we realize that we have a new moon. And now, hopefully, with the winter storms hopefully gone and now spring here, my recommendation, Romy, is that as we move toward the end of this particular month, the very last week of March would be a really good time to go out there. And if you live and listening to the show in darker locations, but even people living, let's say, in downtown Phoenix, You get a good opportunity without that moon in the sky. It moves on to last quarter on the 28th. Dr. Sky always recommends that as a pair of binoculars to really enhance your view. 
So what we have in the, in the sky is we talk about some important things. People can still see the planet Mars. Just look for it high up into the southern part of the sky, just around the time of sunset, more into the southwest as the evening progresses. The planet Mars will be actually moving very close, just below a beautiful star cluster, a little thing called the Pleiades star cluster, often mistaken as the Little Dipper in the sky. And if you look there in the last week, you're going to get to see in a pair of binoculars these amazing stars, these little groupings of stars called the Seven Sisters. And just below it, the planet Mars, the next destination, as we know, at least that's what the world thinks as far as the next manned mission to another major planet other than going to the moon, a satellite, that can be visible. And then the sky show gets really cool, Romy, in the morning sky. We get to see the planets Jupiter, Saturn, and Venus. So Venus is that bright torch-like object that you see literally into the eastern sky just before sunrise, an amazing planet. And many people don't realize this, but Venus is actually at times the closest planet of all the planets that can get uh, close to the Earth by a distance of maybe somewhere around 25 million miles. Venus, and of course because of the clouds around it, makes for this most magnificent sight, sometimes simply referred to as the morning star, but more appropriately, the planet Venus. And when's your next Dolly Steamboat event? You know, Romy, this is good, and I'm glad you asked. We celebrate the night skies here, and if people haven't done this, or if they have, come on back. We'll be doing that on Saturday evening, March the 30th. We dock, sail dockside at 5.30 p.m. Two-and-a-half-hour journey. We like to come with the Dr. Sky Cruise to the Cosmos, because at that particular time, as I mentioned before, the moonlight will not interfere. So hopefully we get that beautiful high-pressure system here in the spring, meaning simply beautiful, clear skies. Give them a call, 480-827-9144, 480-827-9144. And normally a brand-new resort that I'm actually starting to work with. I've been asked to start doing some interesting astronomy programs at Castle Hot Springs, probably the oldest, most amazing resort here in Arizona, just a little bit as the crow would fly, maybe to the northwest of, as we see, Lake Pleasant. What an amazing experience, uh, a memorable weekend for people that want to make sure that they book way ahead of time. Uh, the, the organization there and the resort is open, I believe, till May. Then they close for the summer and open up again in October. But what a magnificent place uh, to call home, right, Romy, Arizona, and our beautiful skies. It is, and the Dolly Steamboat ride on Apache Lake is incredible. Castle Hot Springs for a lot of years. It, it's a fabulous place north of Lake Pleasant. So uh, the answer to today's trivia question is false. Mescal is a plant. If you answered false, watch your phone. You'll be getting a text back to notify if you were the winner. Something we've added to the Arizona Hour is something Arizona-related, whether it's a history fact or a trivia fact. And the third segment is something iconic in Arizona, whether it's a structure or a person. And it's usually just something short and quick, uh, history fact, something fun to note. Oh, hey, I didn't know that's blah, blah, blah. But uh, Mr. Jim Harrison is joining us in studio because we need a whole segment to talk about uh, your journey through Arizona, and an original native of Arizona. Born here in 1939. And you have not only hiked the Arizona Trail, which is 800 miles, but you've also hiked the Continental Divide Trail that's 3,100 miles. That's, that's, that's correct. That's been a journey over 36 years, although we only hiked actually 14 years. But it's kind of a journey that never had 
the goal of hiking the Continental Divide. We just little pieces showed up, and we did those, and it wasn't until the very end that we actually focused on the goal of finishing the Continental Divide Trail. And none of which that trail goes through Arizona. It's, it's New Mexico up through Montana. That's that's correct. We. I, I don't think you can answer this question, but what's your favorite part? <laughs> uh, well, the Arizona Trail, of course, is, is special to me once for living here all my life, but it, it goes through so much different topography and, and climate areas that it's really special. But this last segment I did in uh, 2018 was just the Bob Marshall Wilderness and Glacier were really spectacular. And I'd never been to Glacier Park, and I'd really encourage people to go there because it is really a spectacular views, and, and they do it very well as far as the backcountry hiking. So not only have you got the 800 miles in the Arizona Trail done, the 3,100 of the miles of the Continental Divide Trail, as I understand it, you're looking to rehike part of the Colorado Trail. <laughs> well, that's right. My <laughs> high school friend, uh, Fred Fallen, I, he joined me in about 2007. I'd been working on the Arizona Trail and looking for somebody to hike the Arizona Trail, and he, I got a Christmas card where he said he had hiked Mount Whitney twice in one year, and I wrote him back. I guess that's probably before emails because <laughs> I remember writing him, asking him if he'd like to come. He lives in California now, if he'd like to come over and do the Arizona Trail with me. So that's where he joined me. So uh, after we did that and, and finished, uh, we said, now what are we going to do? We're having so much fun doing this. And we then agreed that we would go finish hiking the Continental Divide Trail. He now has two grandchildren that will join us, and I'll probably have a grandchild or to join me. I, I need a driver for long distances, so I, I'll recruit a grandchild to help me. And the way y'all hike the trails, you, you take two vehicles? Yes, we take two vehicles, and then we jump Park, park them and then hike back to one and then jump past the other one, hike back to the other and just keep jumping in one direction. And when we did Arizona, we did that over 2007 to 2013 and we jumped all over the state just getting segments that happened to fit our schedule. Did I would that imagine the, season me, had a big part to do with the schedule too. Uh, you probably did Flagstaff in the summertime, and you probably did the, the Maricopa to Catalina stretch in the winter. <laughs> That's right. We And basically, we did them in spring and, and fall. We didn't do any hiking in the summertime. They some Sometimes we'd hike for a week and sometimes two weeks, whatever. What do you do to prepare for that type of hiking? I mean, and, and, and how heavy is your bag when you leave for a, a two-week stretch? Uh, here, when I'm living in, in Arizona, uh, when I was working, I would act, get off work and I'd go over to Piastua Peak, and I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but anyway. We it's would, still Squaw Peak in my mind. Yeah. I, I can't get it right either. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I would hike there in the evening, and uh, I, I'd go to a health food, not health food, a health club in the morning and do spinning or swim, and... Uh, so it's, I do a lot of preparation. As far as the weight, uh, 
at our point in life, we get the weight down as much as we can. And uh, in sailing, they call it purchases. The more <laughs> and uh, you improve your gear every year, and you run into somebody that's got a better tent or a better sleeping bag or better being lighter weight. <laughs> you incorporate that. So I did some solo segments where I would have my pack down to 18 pounds plus food and and water. You get pretty thin on it. And water being the, probably the most critical part of the journey. Got some very interesting stories about water collecting through the Arizona Trail. Well, that's true. Uh, one, the stewards, and they have good stewards that you can call on the phone. It's ArizonaTrail.org, and that's a great website. They'll help you with where the water is. And in some cases where there's no water, they actually will stash water and that you can use. There was one segment from Parker Canyon Lake to Patagonia where I called the steward and asked him where the water was. He says, well, you go down, come off a little ridge, you come down, you hit a, 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 a barbed wire fence. When you hit the wash, there's a gate. You go back up the wash 100 yards, and you dig a hole in the sand, and water will come. And sure enough, I mean, we trusted that, and water did come. So, uh, But like I say, the, the stashing waters through the Matazels. And then, interesting, up in, you know, like in Colorado and these other places, the trail runs right on top of the Continental Divide for many many miles. So uh, the water, there's a lot of water, but it's below you. So you would, uh, you know, you would be carrying three liters of water for the day because there wasn't any water up on top of the divide. And at what elevation are you at at the top of the divide in Colorado? I'd imagine a good stretch of it, you see Pike's Peak. Does it ever go over the peak of, of Pike? <laughs> Uh, not Pikes Peak. That's that's off the Continental Divide. But Colorado is certainly the highest portion of the Continental Divide Trail. It's uh, 11, 12. There's some thir- areas where you're hiking at 13,000 feet. Uh, and there's some passes at 13,500. So uh, when you get further north in Idaho and Montana, it's more in the eight or 9,000-foot range. But and so Colorado is a segment that you need to, the snow lasts the longest and you got to figure out the timing of your thing so you're not post-holing through the snow, which I have done. <laughs> and all the, I've talked to other hikers. I've never done anything to this extent of, of hiking. And I see one of the most interesting things is, I mean, obviously the scenery, they say you run into a lot of other interesting hikers uh, along the, the trail as well. Oh, yeah. The, the through hikers are the most interesting people we run into. And, and you know, they're planning to do like the whole Continental Divide over a four or five-month period, either starting from south or going north. And, of course, they, if they start north, uh, they're faced with snow there. They start in the south. They as soon as they get northern New Mexico and hit Colorado, they're faced with snow. But 
The last year was really interesting. Of course, we were we did the Bob Marshall and Glacier. So through hikers coming south, we ran into an amazing number of female hikers, young hikers that were hiking solo. They tend, you know, before we would meet people and they would tend after, you know, a month or they would run into somebody else that hiked their same speed. They'd be hiking together. But as we were that far north, we ran into all these, you know, very impressive young ladies that were doing this on their own. My favorite part of the story that uh, from this article out of Aspen Times that they published about about your hike was the end of of the hike that you did with your friends. Recap the the last hundred yards of this thirty one hundred mile hike. <laughs> well, it was amazing. Actually, that segment we had twelve people on. I had uh, my daughter and and. Uh, two grandchildren, my son and two grandchildren, and they both brought along two friends. So we were finishing the last segment, which was uphill, and the last little bit, Freddie and I locked arms and hit that last 20 yards together. And, of course, with this big crowd of people hooting and hollering and clapping, there were some people in the parking lot at the, at the end, and they came over to see what the hooting and hollering was about. And when we told them, they went and found two cold beers in their, <laughs> in their car and brought them over, and that was our celebration. Now, this is, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping it was at least a Coors, you know, from the Rockies, <laughs> the Continental Divide. Did, did, did it all tie in perfectly? It all tie Well, my short-term memory is not all that good, but they were cold beers and shared least, by 12. At least a Coors Light so you could have a... <laughs> Yeah, so I'm from the Rockies. Too, too yeah. <laughs> well, outstanding. And when are you starting the, to rehike the Colorado stretch? Well, 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 of course, we've had a lot of snow this year. So I think late July will be best. And we'll go start again at Cumbries Pass at uh, the border of New Mexico and Colorado. And we'll hike north uh, through Wolf Creek and then around through the Winnemooch Wilderness and, and, and end up at Spring Creek Pass. Well, thanks for spending a little bit of your time this Saturday morning with us to share your Arizona story. If you're out there listening and have an interesting story you'd like to share with Arizona, email us at info at rosieonthehouse.com. We'll send you a questionnaire to fill out and uh, run it through our programming team to see if uh, if it's something we put into to schedule here. Uh, We love Arizona, we love the people of Arizona, and we love sharing the stories of Arizona. Mr. Jim Harrison, thanks for sharing your story. Well, very welcome to do so, and it's my pleasure. And another way we share the beauty of Arizona is through our staycation. It's something that Rosie thought up and dreamt up a dozen years ago, and Sanderson Ford came to bat and put it all together with us, where we send you on to a, some destination in Arizona. I don't think hiking the Arizona Trail will ever be a staycation destination. That might be <laughs> that might be a little too much, but we send you to areas where you could go hike little stretches of it uh, occasionally, our, our 
our destination will line up with the Arizona Trail. But if you'd like to register to win an Arizona staycation, go to rosieonthehouse.com slash travelaz or click on the staycation tab. In the next segment, we actually have the winner of the March staycation who stayed at the Flying E Ranch in Wickenburg is going to join us on the line to talk to us about their first experience at an Arizona dude ranch. It's one of three one of three dude ranches in Wickenburg that are part of the Dude Ranch Association. There's uh, 15 total statewide, so we'll focus on, on the Flying E Ranch destination site of our March staycation winner. On this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning, we've covered so much in our Arizona hour, but we're not done yet. And if you think it's taken a little while for our reservoirs to fill up, it was in March of 1930 the Coolidge Dam was dedicated, and it took 40 years for the San Carlos Lake Reservoir to completely fill up. Cowboy humorist Will Rogers remarked that if that was my lake, I would mow it. But we don't have to mow it today. Thankfully, it's full, and most of our reservoirs are full, as we talked about earlier. But this segment, we talk about our Arizona staycation. We have our winner from last week to tell us about your trip to Wickenburg. Janet, how long have you been in Arizona, and had you ever been to Wickenburg before? Uh, Romy, I have been in Arizona since 1995 from Chicago. And yes, but not like this. I have been to just a, a stop at the uh, hospital and a little Mexican restaurant, but not like this, not like this trip. And hopefully that stop to the hospital was, uh, it wasn't for personal reasons. No. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so you arrive at Sanderson Ford. What vehicle did you take? Well, actually, uh, uh, John at Sanderson Ford had it picked for me, and because of where I live, he delivered it to me. Very nice. And he, yes, I beautiful and i got a 2019 ford escape which was just great beautiful so he picked me out a good one i have an escape but not as quite as new but it was great fantastic well that's nice so you didn't have to change any luggage at the dealership you're able to no, pack all, all at home no and in fact the other it got picked up today so at the house so it was i can't say you know he the only thank you he wanted for me was when, when i'm due to uh, get another car Please give him a call. So <laughs> he was a great guy, John Pratt. And he'll take care of you at the point you are ready. So yes. you traveled to Wickenburg. Did you take uh, Grand the whole way, or did you go up 17 Carefree Highway and then pick up Grand? No, Grand, uh, Grand, and because uh, I came from Gilbert. Okay. So 10 Grand and the 303. Okay. And so it was you, good. You picked sure. up Grand just above Surprise. And so you yep. went through Whitman, Circle City, Moorestown. The Hacienda Preserve into Wickenburg, and yep. you go straight to the Flying E Ranch? Yes, right straight to it. How? And I have not been. Mom and Dad got a chance to go visit it a week or two ago, said it was phenomenal. What was your impression? I, that's, the, that's the word, Romy. Okay, phenomenal. From uh, the people, the people are, I mean, unbelievable. From checking in to the people with the food, uh, chefs, the pool, the grounds, immaculate. Everybody loves their job. Everybody is just, okay, I never had been to, um, like, a dude ranch. I had never been. And it was just, I, I just can't say enough good. The people were just fantastic. And my mom, Georgine, should be the ambassador. Because I guess when uh, Gary called, uh, she then got a hold of me and just said she was, I guess she talked to him for, like, 20 minutes. 
talking up the place and everything. Just, you know, just fantastic, Romy. Just fantastic. So you went on this staycation with your mother? I took my mother, yes. Did y'all ride horses at all or just hang out and relax? No, no. Did not. No horseback riding. (laughs) Uh, Did everything there and the eating and the people. Met a lot of really nice people. Then went into town and did some shopping and stuff like that. Uh, Like I said, then the pool, heated pool, heated spa. The, the big thing, like I said, is the, the food and, and the people. Uh, the meals uh, were fantastic, catered to what you wanted. I mean, I just, it was nice. I would have liked to take one of those chefs home, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you, Romy, wow, I got spoiled. And then the little happy hour and the snacks, homemade cookies and fruit and the tea and the lemonade. And, oh, oh my gosh. Well, yeah. that's the Flying E Ranch, and that was in Wickenburg. And that was our March staycation winter, Janet. How was downtown when you went shopping? It was nice. It was nice. Just it's, it's a quaint little town and just nice little people. But I just have to share one little story that kind of was the highlight of the whole thing. Okay, this is the good one. So we came back after lunch, and uh, I said, just leave the door open a crack. I said, you know what, I'm going to open up the windows. So I closed, it, closed the door, put, okay. And then I said, oh, I have to go to the car and get something. Well, guess what? I couldn't get out. So I'm like, the thing is spinning and spinning and spinning, the doorknob. And I'm like, so I threw the window. I knew people already. And I just said, I called one guy. I said, John, can you come to my door and try to get me out? <laughs> and he's like, he's looking around because he didn't know. And I says, it's Janet. He came to the door, tried. And I said, we can't get out. And he said, no, and I'm not, it's not budging. So he went and called Angie. And uh, he said, we'll get a locksmith. They thought they were going to have to serve our dinner then. They thought they were going to have to serve the dinner through the, the windows like a little to-go. <laughs> so I'm telling you. But the, uh, the locksmith came, got out. We were able to get the dinner. <laughs> you know, That was just quite quite amusing. I, I bet that was just their trick. They were working that extra mile to get your dinner just ready. And they you needed think to, so? They you needed to keep you contained <laughs> just a little while longer. I, I think that's what happened. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But, Romy, I, and wait, one more thing then. The, 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 everything that was included with the, you know, the goodie basket from the Arizona cheese farms, from Arizona highways, everything, just everything. And, of course, the, the Visa gift card, just everything. I, I cannot, just not, cannot say enough. It truly, took, truly a quite memorable little trip, I'm telling you. It took us a lot of restraint not to break into that cheese basket. Yeah, let me t- <laughs> That was something. And if you would like to win an Arizona staycation, you can at rosieonthehouse.com slash travelaz. We just draw our winner for April. Congratulations to Joseph Oliveira of Tempe, who will be traveling to Douglas. If you'd like to enter to win a staycation for May into the Catalina Mountains, you can do that between now and April 15th. Just rosieonthehouse.com slash travelaz. Destinations that we have featured in our Arizona staycation. Brought to you by Sanderson Ford.